Crosby to try to win it. And the kick is good to win the game. The 49ers couldn't take enough time off the clock at the end. All Aaron needed was 37 seconds. Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett. This is episode number 45 of the podcast. And today we're going to react, we're going to discuss, we're going to talk about what went right, what went wrong in the 49ers loss in Sunday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. You heard the kick right there. All it took was 37 seconds for Aaron Rodgers to march down the field, get the Packers in field goal range, and secure a game-winning field goal via Mason Crosby's right leg. The Niners lose 30-28 in front of fans for the first time at Levi Stadium in over a year. It's been since the NFC Championship game. The Niners fall to Green Bay 30-28, and they will now be 2-1 on the season. It will host the Seattle Seahawks next week, but we have to focus on this game. What went right? What went wrong? Before we do so, I do want to give credit to Trenton Cannon. Niners team uh, was just didn't have any consistency, couldn't move the ball. He was literally shot out of a cannon. A huge kick return to kind of jolt the offense to uh, maybe a certain level. I didn't push them all the way over the edge, but again, Trent Cannon, a great kick return, had a great tackle on special teams later in the game. So Trent Cannon, if I could give you a game ball or someone who maybe goes underappreciated, Trent Cannon uh, in your short two-week stint in San Francisco has definitely impressed at least myself to a small uh, percentage. Um, But let's talk about this game, and let's start with the offense. Let's start with what was the... I guess, biggest problem early on in this game. And I don't know about you, but all week I've talked about the Niners' historical, uh, how history has been on San Francisco's side. How all the stats, all the statistics, the team on paper, the team on the field, like this game should have been a game where San Francisco can dominate. And Knowing that, and knowing that Aaron Rodgers still exists, I didn't think this game was going to be a blowout by any means. Uh, I had this game 31-27 San Francisco. Again, very close. <laughs> um, but again, Niners lose 30-28. to uh, But I think one of the biggest issues we've seen so far, and it's been these kind of these random splits. It's been the first three quarters of the season in Detroit on the road week 1 outscoring Detroit 31 to 10 outgaining Detroit 262 to 179 again just dominating Detroit on all fronts offensively just out, outgaining them defensively stopping them outstopping them you could say but the last 5 quarters again that would be the entire Eagles game and the fourth quarter in Detroit they were outscored 27 to 20 they were outgained 542 to 338. 
So I did the math uh, as a as a simpleton that I am. <laughs> I did the math. And in their last nine quarters, so that is from the fourth quarter in Detroit to the final kick of the Green Bay game, the Niners have been outscored 57-48. to They've been outgained 895 to 840. Again, like you look at those numbers and you say, oh, well, that, that isn't too bad, right? Like that isn't the end of the world. Uh, but when you look at this game more intently and, or I guess more intricately, just look at the first half and second half splits. And I think you see kind of where this team struggled most and where they did. Uh, the Niners. Again, 17 to seven in the first half couldn't do much. The offense was wasn't moving the ball. Like it just wasn't moving the ball whatsoever. Trey Lance had to come in in that uh, later in the second half or first half, excuse me, later in the second quarter, and kind of seemed to kind of be this breath of fresh air for San Francisco. But again, you're getting outscored 10 nothing in the first quarter, and you are, are, are unable to do anything. In the first half alone, they only had eight first downs, and they were down 17-7 to at halftime. At home, fans in Levi Stadium, and let's be very clear, like, while fans do impact a game, like, they do. Like, Seattle fans do, the 12s do, uh, maybe some pumping and a crowd noise helps, but the fans do impact football games. Uh, they impact all sports, really, but it comes from a momentum point of view. It comes from an interception, uh, a big third down play that the the crowd gets loud. So while I do believe that the, the faithful at Levi Stadium played a factor, I don't think that, you know, fans are back. I don't think that aspect should be taken into account when it comes to the the final score of the game, the outcome of the game. Like, yes, great, fans are back. Like, we should all celebrate that. I don't believe that really does affect the outcome in a game like this because you still have to execute. And and again, that's not it's not a mind blowing revelation. It's just I don't want people to be like, man, they lost in their first game back with fans in over a year and a half. Like, okay, like that's great. And like I understand the frustration. Like we're all frustrated. Like tonight was a gut punch. And I will say, like, as the week went on, like Going through all the stats, Aaron Rodgers 0-6 against winning uh, Niner teams in his career. Garoppolo 4-0 in Sunday Night Football, coming off kind of a weird win. Uh, Green Bay played w- much better against Detroit than New Orleans. Like, there was kind of this feeling of, like, wouldn't it be ironic if, like, this is the one game Rodgers wins? Um, and lo and behold, it was. And, and again, nail-biter. Uh, and I'm sure like yourself, uh, you're thinking we're going to win this game all the way to the end. And when Garoppolo threw that touchdown, or I like to call them tutties, uh, when he threw a tutty <laughs> um, to Ushek, you're sitting there like, we just won this game. But then you see the clock and you're saying, oh, oh, <laughs> again, very similar uh, to week one, uh, the opening game, Thursday night football when Tampa Bay, uh, you just, you know, they gave Tom too much time. Like, they gave Tom Brady way too much time. And it doesn't seem like a lot, but 37 seconds with no timeouts is actually a lot of time when you're Aaron Rodgers. 
Uh, but let's focus on, on, on this offense even further. Uh, Alex Mack, he muffed two snaps today. Um, again, those are going to be credited to Garoppolo, uh, or at least one of them will be. And he, despite how good he is, despite how little pressures he has allowed, uh, did allow one tonight against Green Bay. He's been great, but in camp we heard of this, uh, and it's kind of you know leaked into the regular season where there seems to be maybe, I don't want to say inconsistencies, or there seems to be a Garoppolo versus Mac problem, you know, snapping the ball, but, but Mac in this game did not have his best game. And luckily, on one of the plays, Garoppolo was, he was quick enough to react to pick that ball up to save a fumble. Or, or losing the ball there, um, and again, I like to me that like signifies kind of how this game went early on, at least. Like the most consistent player, arguably in his entire career, someone who you can rely on as a cornerstone offensive lineman, someone you brought in to kind of uh, solidify that position, who's played great thus far, who has a track record of being one of the best centers in the NFL, has has a game where he'll go home and he'll he'll look at it and go like I didn't play well. And I think kind of that's how this game kind of started. And I think Max struggles kind of signified what this offense was early because it wasn't pretty. Like by all means again, eight first downs in the first half, that's four quarters if you want to average it out, I guess. Um they're being out outgained by over a hundred yards in the first half. It just it was ugly. They were down seventeen to seven uh, the run game was non-existent. The run game had 14 yards in the first half. 14. An average of 7 yards per quarter in the first half. Like, we've talked about the impact of not having Raheem Mostert. The impact of, lo- of losing Elijah Mitchell. Of not having Jeff Wilson Jr. Like, it was on full display in this game. But more importantly, in that first half. Like, the Niners could not move the ball, and I have a lot to say about the running back decisions tonight. Um, Very head-scratching. I don't understand the decisions they made with the running game. I do like the idea of getting Juszczyk and Kittle and Debo involved in there, knowing you don't have your top guys. I like that idea. Um, But when Garoppolo can't find his rhythm, you don't have that the ability to dis hand the ball off an average five yards per carry anymore. You don't have that. And you might get that when Jeff Wilson comes back and then guys like Mitchell and Sermon slide down the pecking order and you feel more comfortable with the running game. But but Garoppolo in the first half tonight, 91 yards, one pick, didn't didn't look like himself. And while I I don't want to I don't want to kind of point blame at Garoppolo for the pick because uh Shanahan and Garoppolo himself said, look, like, Alexander was not supposed to be, like, he, like, Alexander himself ran out of where he was supposed to be. Like, he ran away from his assignment to go pick off that ball. And had Alexander not done that, and again, great play by him, like, that's probably, you know, 40, 50 yard gain, and the Niners offense probably does score there. But I don't understand the decision... Knowing the offense is struggling, knowing you can't run the ball, knowing that this offense has sputtered for the last, I don't know, five quarters, 
I understand you want to keep Green Bay's defense honest. They're playing in the box. They're saying, look, you can't run the ball. Beat us with Garoppolo's arm. And so you do have to take a shot to keep them honest. And I do think, again, had Alexander not ran out of where he was supposed to be, like that's probably a big play. And so, like, good, take that shot. But in the circumstance of they're down 10 nothing early and you take that shot, it's it just not... Like, it's a one-play drive. The ball is back in, in Aaron Rodgers' hands early in the first quarter. Now, again, like, it doesn't backfire on you, but it very well could have. Uh, this kind of dink-and-dunk screen offense isn't working. Garoppolo has no rhythm early, and... In his postgame, Garoppolo admitted, like, look, like, we did not have rhythm. Like, I, I, to put it blank, was not very good in the first half. He was like, look, like, there's no excuse. There, There's no reason. And the exact quote is, I forgot to ask the question, but they were like, hey, like, did you feel the offense couldn't get into rhythm? And he said, a little bit. He goes, I think we didn't have rhythm, honestly. From the get-go, it was, a t- it was tough not converting some early third downs. Bully battle back, and you never want to put yourself in a situation to start like that. And again, like Garoppolo knows it, Shanahan knows it, and so like there was some stuff early I didn't understand. Like some of the play calling was kind of confusing. Again, going back to that in- interception on, on on the deep ball, like it just didn't. Like that wasn't the time to take that chance, and it doesn't help that. You can't push the ball doing anything else. Like, the offense was stagnant that entire first quarter. Uh, the majority of the second half, uh, first half, excuse me. Um, there were some drop passes. Ayuk dropped a few passes. He Ayuk, and it's funny because just like Mac in his struggles tonight, kind of embodies how this game was. Go to that final drive of the second quarter to end the first half. Uh, Niners are marching down the field, and they are putting together their kind of first complete drive of the game. And you're sitting there like, "Look, we got to get some points on the board. Like we, like we're down seventeen nothing. Like if we don't score here, like it's gonna get out of hand early. And like we're looking at two and one. And despite that being the actual outcome, like." This game could have been a lot uglier a lot sooner. And I'm sure like you, you're sitting there, you're watching the game, and you're kind of disgusted. And you're frustrated. You're like, why can't we beat these guys? Like, Zadarius Smith is not playing. Kevin King was a late scratch. Like, we should be able to run through this defense or at least find open men past the five-yard line. Why can't we get a pass rush? On the first drive of the game, Nick Bosa allotted for negative 25 yards attached to Green Bay. Amazing. Phenomenal. Like, when one player can amount for negative 29 yards to the opposing team, like, that is Nick Bosa. Like, that is MVP things. Like, those are defensive player of the year stats. The Niners had one sack all night. D Ford, where were you? Eric Armstead, like, you had the sack, but, like, where were you the rest of the night? Nick Bosa, I think, had a good game. We saw some pressure early from him, but 
DJ Jones, Javon Kinlaw, Arden Key, like, you guys are getting blown up all night. Like, where was the pressure? They didn't have David Bakhtiari. They didn't have Elgton Jenkins. They had their third string left tackle and their second string left guard. And we couldn't do anything. Like, Rodgers, early on, was kind of running out of the pocket. He felt the pressure a little bit, and... Again, Rogers is great at the pocket awareness thing. Like, he knows how to evade pressure and everything like that. But, like, there was nothing. There was nothing all game. Past that first quarter, you weren't getting to Rogers. Like, he was throwing it away. He was finding, you know, the the running back that was kind of the, the last man out of the out of the, uh, out of the backfield. Like, you're, you're hitting that guy and, like, you're getting two, three yards. Like, like the defense tonight and... Uh, the defense tonight, <laughs> and and we'll get into it in a little bit, but like, because I want to talk about the offense still, like, there just didn't seem to be any energy from either side of the ball, and going back to this this final drive of the second quarter that we, that we were talking about, it was kind of the epitome of the game, like, it was the game, and like, let's look at it here. It's an eight-play drive, 32 yards. The Niners only had to go 32 yards. Cannon had uh, Cannon ran the ball to the 32-yard line. He had a 68-yard return. Like, they had great field position. Uh, Grapple had to pass to Kittle for 10 yards. Like, they're moving the ball down the field. They're getting first downs uh, in, in a short-yarded situation. But then, it's first and goal. Grapple incomplete to Brandon Ayuk. Should have been a touchdown. I did drop that ball. I do want to say, like, that should have been a touchdown. Like, there should have been and have no need for that drive to have gone to third and goal. By any means. Like, no need. Then it's a incomplete pass. And then Trey Lance comes in. And if you're watching the TV broadcast, like I'm sure all of us were, if you weren't at the game, um, or watching it, or listening on KNBR... I, you didn't see Trey Lance, but what you did hear was Levi's get freaking loud. Like you heard that, like there, like there was a notable, noticeable, like level change in the audio at Levi's because they saw number five trot out on the field. Like the energy shifted from like. Oh, like, normal, feeling okay. Like, oh, I hope we score to, oh my god, it's happening. Like, we're seeing Trey Lance, like, you know, it's like, you know, you're smacking your friend, get up, get up, like, you gotta pay attention, pay attention. Like, that's what it felt like. And you didn't see him, but you heard the stadium start roaring, going crazy. Then all of a sudden, he, he does what this offense couldn't do the entire game through the entire first half. He gets in the end zone. What what, what Garoppolo couldn't do, granted should have done, but couldn't do for two plays in the red zone. Like, an entire quarter of just nothingness, of incomplete passes, deep shots downfield, five-yard out routes, like like a very stagnant offense, an, an inefficient offense. It was like a breath of fresh air was breathed right into it in the form of Trey Lance. It was like there was there was an, a new energy. Momentum had kind of shifted. Like, 
I put on Twitter uh, after the the play it was like knowing you have the ability, you have this kind of lightning bolt of energy just sitting on your bench. Knowing that Shanahan wants to treat Trey Lance like a running back, like a receiver, like any other skill position player on the offense, why aren't we using that more? And I'm not saying put him out there, you know, don't start the kid. I don't think he's ready yet. But when the offense is struggling that much for an entire half, when the game could have gotten ugly, like this game could have been 24 nothing. The Niners' defense, for what it's worth, saved them in the first half, but by far. But second half, different story. But first half, by far, like the Niners' defense, just like in Philadelphia, kept them in this game. They had to buy time for the offense to kind of build up momentum, to kind of get back and, and reach their level and match them when it comes to efficiency. And once Lance came in, scores the touchdown, does what Garoppolo couldn't do. Again, granted, should have done, could have done if IU catches that ball, hit him right in the hands. Then everything kind of changes. Like, like you feel the tone change. And I'm going to go super nerdy on you. I apologize. Uh, I like Star Wars. In uh, Empire Strikes Back, you leave that game, or the movie, excuse me, on a down note. You're like, wow, like, Luke got his arm chopped off, found out Darth Vader's his father. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's looking pretty gloomy, uh, you know, for, for, for the rebellion. And all of a sudden, Return of the Jedi comes out. Luke's back, has a robotic arm, has a green lightsaber. That's Trey Lance. Like, I hate to compare Trey Lance to Luke Skywalker, but, but that's kind of what it was like. It, it was like, okay, like, there is a renewed hope. And again, I, I I guess New Hope is episode four, technically, or I guess the first Star Wars. So I guess you could say, again, Trey Lance is Luke Skywalker, but he's that new hope. Like, like again, like, momentum changes. Garoppolo kind of gets himself under composure. Talked about it last week. Like, Garoppolo is a player in the huddle that can kind of change the way the game is played. And not like in a physical way, but like he can calm that storm, even if he's part of that storm. And Trey Lance came in, and Trey Lance kind of calmed that storm, kind of kind of got their feet back under them. And I think that says a lot for the poise this kid has, the impact he has on the offense. A 21-year-old kid who has never played in the NFL, really, is coming in, having not played a year of college football, number three overall pick, ton of pressure on him, and he's already had two touchdown passes in short-yarded situations, and won the first touchdown of the year in Detroit, but this one, I think, is more impactful, because it then set the tone for the rest of the second half, and the second half, like, Garoppolo, again, was awful, again. 91 yards, one pick in the first half. Second half, 166 yards, two touchdowns, led three scoring drives in that second half. Like, they outscored Green Bay 21-13 to in that second half. And, I again, it goes back to kind of which Niners offense are we going to see? Are we going to see an offense like we saw in Detroit 
which kind of felt more like that Niners offense in the second half in the Green Bay game, or you're going to see the offense that we saw for the last five quarters uh, in Philadelphia. And we kind of got that offense in the first half, and it, like, the first half cost us the game. Like, that needs to be said bluntly and clearly. Like, the reason why the 49ers lost this game, among other things, like, Garoppolo had many dumb decisions in this game. The fumble later, he was trying to be a screen pass, but it just got all discombobulated. Uh, again, dumb decision. There was, you know, max max struggles. Like, there were things in this game that contributed to the loss, but the majority of those things were in that first half. And I can even argue in that first quarter. Like, take out the first quarter of this game, it's an entirely different ball game. Like, while it was 30-28, to 28, this game technically could have been 20-28 had that first quarter not existed. Again, it, it does. Like, you can't take it away. But that first quarter of this game is what killed us. Like, awful quarterback play, and I'll say it, bad quarterback play, no run game, cost us in the long haul, cost us this game, despite how good they were in that second half. And you just can't do that. And, and, and Garoppolo mentioned, like, like, we have, like, we cannot get ourselves behind the eight ball that bad anymore. Like, we just can't do it. You got Seattle, you got Arizona, like, these teams are not going to let up. And they have their issues. Seattle's one and two. Arizona could easily be one and two as well. And by the, you know, the skin of our teeth, we're two and one. Now, you're playing Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, who have far better offenses than Green Bay. They are not going to let up. Like, in the subsequent weeks, the Niners cannot get off to a slow start like this. It will cost them. They will be two and three. There can't be this 14 yards on the ground in the first half. There can't be 91 yards in a pick and you're down 17-7 at the half. Kyler Murray will put up 400 yards against his defense if you allow him to get the ball 10 drives in the first half. Russell Wilson will put up 400 yards against his defense if you give him 10 drives in the first half. Like, the eight ball will be... It'll be in the rearview mirror. You'll be so much further down in the ditch than you were against Green Bay. But again, kudos to the offense. Battle back, got us in this game. Debo continues to look like receiver number one. Five catches, 52 yards. Had a big catch uh, on the final drive of the game, or, you know, the Niners' final drive of the game. Uh, Again, Jair Alexander played great coverage against it. He battled for that ball in the air. uh, And and kind of, again, proved to kind of be the Anquan Bolden receiver number one kind of guy we need from him, especially this year. George Kittle, you have to keep feeding him. For the love of God, get your best offensive player the freaking football. Nine targets, again. He had he had eight. He had nine all season. He had nine in this game. There's an improvement there. Seven catches, 92 yards, 13 yards per catch. Like, there was building blocks. There was improvement on getting... Kittle involved in the passing game. 
continue to do so. Every time he touches the football, 10 plus yards. Literally. Debo, same thing. Like You have guys on your offense that are getting you 10 yards a catch. Utilize that. Utilize your best offensive player. You saw what Green Bay did. Like, oh my god. Green Bay annihilated our defense by targeting Devontae Adams 18 times. 12 catches, 132 yards. Now I'm not saying target Kittle 18 times. How about 14? How about 13? Like, there is no excuse as to why your best offensive player can't get the ball more. Again, I like what he did against Green Bay. Keep that momentum moving. Building blocks. Keep it moving. And finally, of all the talk of, is he in the doghouse? What's wrong with him? Does he not know the playbook as good as Trent Shurfield, who Shurfield didn't do anything against Green Bay? Like, Brandon Ayuk is finally back in the fold. And I think, despite dropping some passes, he had six targets. It's more than he saw week one. It's more than he saw week two combined. Four catches, 37 yards, one TD, very easily could have been two touchdowns. Like, Brandon Ayuk has placed himself back in the fold in this offense. And they are going to need him against Seattle, against Arizona, and as the season progresses. And I like what I saw. And again, you see one play and you highlight it and you go, wow, that was great. There's 50 other plays that you might go, ooh, like, that was not that good. And I forgot again who it was. They asked Ayuk, like, hey, like, what was your mentality of just, you know, not being able to play the first couple weeks? Like, like, what was your thought process? And he said, look, look, like, we have to go back to work. Just like this week, I watched the tape, I'll flush it, and try to make it better. And I think that needs to kind of, like, that kind of has to be the motto of the offense right now. Like, that has to be kind of where the offense is at. Simply because this, the way they're moving isn't doing anything. Like, like this offense is stagnant currently. It's inconsistent, and, you know, it just, like, Garoppolo, I think, said it best. We have to take a long look in the mirror. As an offense, what and, and what we can do better, starting with myself, we have to eliminate half of the mistakes. It'll lead to better football early, and we won't get behind the eight ball like we were tonight. Again, going back to the eight ball thing. Like, what we saw on offense in the second half was 49er football. They're running the ball a lot better. I think Trey Sermon, in his first NFL start, I think he kind of got the reins in the second half. Like, like you can see a noticeable comfortability from him later in the game. Maybe antsy, maybe a little nervous. You know, had that big concussion. Anytime you take a big hit like that, you are worried. And so, like, I wouldn't doubt that early in that game, like, they say, you know, once you have a big hit, like, like the best thing for you after a big injury like that is to get hit first. Anybody off an ACL, go take a hit. Then you'll feel comfortable. And again, I have no idea if that affected him, but like again, it very, very well could have. And so I think Sermon, 
uh, did a great job later in the game, and he felt more comfortable. And I and I I do think while we await the return of Jeff Wilson Jr., I think Elijah Mitchell, if he's healthy, and Trey Sermon can be valuable assets in the run game. I think Mitchell can kind of be that Matt Breida-esque kind of guy, and Sermon can be that Tevin Coleman kind of guy. Like, you can see the power run in Sermon, to a certain extent, obviously. And you can see the kind of one-cut back Matt Breida was in Elijah Mitchell. Like, gotta stay healthy. Again, big what-if there. But I do see that there are some pieces there. Two rookies you have to rely on now if they're healthy. But I do think that you get those guys back, you get those guys together in the backfield, you will see a lot more success. But despite what I like, despite Garoppolo bouncing back, despite Debo continuing to solidify himself as an Anquan Bolden receiver number one style of player, despite George Kittle having an increased amount of targets and getting involved in the offense more, despite Brandon Ayuk getting back into the fold, this offense, despite being up 28-27 late in this game, there was two drives. They were Green Bay three and outs, and they were at pivotal points in the game. It led to a punt and that Jimmy Garoppolo fumble. And it's tough because at the end of the game, you're sitting there, we're up 28-27, 37 seconds left. Like, I'm tweeting out big dick Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, that's, like, you're sitting there saying, we just won this game. Or... Maybe if you have hesitation because Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, and rightfully so, like you're sitting there like, wow, like Garoppolo led this fourth quarter comeback. We're feeling pretty good right now. But despite the struggles he had, like we're in a position to win this football game. Like, how did we do this? But I look at those two drives where Green Bay kind of gave you that three and out. They kind of. The play calling wasn't great there. It took a couple shots down the field. Uh, Mosley had a great defensive play on one of those. And, and it just, like, it led to nothing. And, like, you have to capitalize when Aaron Rodgers gives you a chance. Like, you cannot... It's like in baseball, right? Like, if they walk a guy, like, gotta capitalize. Like, if the pitcher's gonna give you a fastball 2-0 middle of the plate, you gotta be swinging. Like, you gotta be thinking, hit the home run play, right? And in football, while I'm not saying hit the home run play, what I'm saying here is like, Aaron Rodgers gave you a 2-0 fastball. And, you know what you did? You freaking grounded out to the third baseman. Or you dribbled it back to the pitcher. Like, it just... It wasn't good execution in two big drives that you needed to score. Now again, 28, 27, 37 seconds left, like congratulations. But again, like and and there are so many things in a football game, so many plays, so many drives, uh, so many coverages, so many routes run, so many throws thrown. <laughs> it just like 
any small thing you can look at and go, you got to do this better. And like that's very true. But these two drives were freebie. They were gimme drives that Rodgers gave you. And they crapped the bed. Like, just that is what it is. They didn't capitalize on what was given to them freely. And you cannot win that way. Especially against elite quarterbacks. You just can't. And let's look at the offensive efficiency. I've used that word a lot the last couple weeks. I talked about how I believe Garoppolo is an efficient quarterback, can move this team up and down the field efficiently. And I I still believe that. And I, I think this proves it. The Niners' offensive efficiency after this Green Bay game, total fourth in the NFL. Like, they have a top four offense in efficiency in the NFL. The rushing offense is 16th. That's the middle of the pack, likely carried by that Detroit game. Jimmy Garoppolo is leading the San Francisco 49ers to the second most efficient passing game in the NFL. Like, this idea that, oh, like, Garoppolo cost us the game tonight. Like, he didn't play good by any means. Especially early. And I, like many of you will say, uh, you can't, like, like, you can't have a start like that. Garoppolo will tell you that. And I'm not sitting here saying start Trey Lance. Look, Garoppolo struggled mightily. The dink and dunk wasn't working. The rhythm wasn't there. But at the end of the game, take out that last try by Green Bay, and we're going to get into the defense next. The Niners are winning 28-27. And let's say, again, obviously you can't change what happened, but let's say the defense tightens up a little bit. Let's say there's an incomplete pass. Let's say Crosby just misses the kick. And the Niners are 3-0. They won 28-27. Garoppolo has two touchdowns. Led three scoring drives late in that game. And on the final drive of the game, went down, beat Aaron Rodgers at Levi Stadium against one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in football. In prime time, he clutched up. He was porn star Jimmy. Big Dick James James Garoppolo. Like, this entire conversation, well, doesn't it doesn't take away the fact that he struggled. It does change it. Like, being 3-0 and 2-1 looks and feels a lot different. Like, if they've got blown out, like, even if they got blown out, the conversation is different. It's like, oh, Garoppolo isn't Rodgers. Can't hang with him. Now the conversation is Garoppolo blew it. And yeah, he did. He had a pick, which didn't lead to anything really. But then he had a fumble, which led to a field goal. Like, there are mistakes. But the idea that we're just solely blaming Garoppolo for a loss, I, th- I just asinine. If quarterback wins are not a stat, to some, then neither are quarterback losses. And that leads me to the next point. The defense could not slow down Aaron Rodgers if their life depended on it. The first half, 16 for 18, 184 yards and a touchdown. 
Devontae Adams, first half, seven catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Finished with a total of 12 catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. And we talked to Nick Newman last week. And previewing this game, he said he was comfortable with Lenore. Uh, what he had saw from him like led him to be comfortable. And, I mean... There was a worry, and I'm not trying to come down next row by any means, but like a lot of fans felt that way. Like Lenore played really well, but against a guy like Devontae Adams, like a pro, an all pro, a pro bowler, one of the top receivers in the NFL, like it's hard to rely on a Pac 12 cornerback who's a rookie that is. Again, playing against Tyrell Williams and uh, and Devontae Smith, like they are not in the same class as Devontae Adams. And Oscar Aparicio, who, again, been on this podcast, he tweeted out, Lenore is 5'10". The Packers receivers, Devontae Adams, 6'1". <laughs> Vontez Scantling, 6'4". Alan, Alan Lazard, 6'5". Like, a 5... Like, I don't know if you can envision that. That's... Like, that... It's almost a foot taller than somebody. Like, and it's not obviously, but it's it's 2 inches, it's 4 inches, it's 5 inches, 7... Like... That's a... Like, that is such a bad... Like, that's such a mismatch. Like, he had no chance other than being uber-physical, and he just wasn't that tonight. And, again, like, Scaling didn't tear us up. He, he had a touchdown, but and and Lazar didn't do much either other than that one big play early. But, again, like, the defense got hurt in this game. Norman got hurt. Dante Johnson is active over Drake Kirkpatrick. Like, when Norman goes out, you put in Lenore and it's Mosley, then Dante Johnson's in. Because K1 got hurt, so you're relying on Dante Johnson, Lenore, and Mosley. And Mosley played great tonight for the most part. Had a couple big uh, pass deflections. Lenore did not play good whatsoever. And Dante Johnson, for the love of God, get him off the team. Like, I talked about it after week one in Detroit, how the signings of Drake Kirkpatrick, the signings of Josh Norman would eliminate the choice from Shanahan to even have the thought of choosing to activate Dante Johnson. And, Jesus, was I wrong. Like, I have no problem with Dante Johnson being the emergency cornerback. Like, I think we all understand, like, he's a fifth or sixth guy. He's a guy you have just in case everybody else goes down. But, you signed Ray Kirkpatrick to kind of fill this role of a, of a veteran cornerback to come in. And so, but you start the game with Mosley, Norman, K1, Lenore. Like, you have four starting cornerbacks and Dante Johnson as your fifth. And Amber Thomas and Kirkpatrick inactive. And, and I have no problem with Thomas being inactive. Struggled week one. And you have guys that should be ahead of him on the depth chart. But what is the point? Of having Dante Johnson active. He's not good. Blows a bunch of coverages. And like, and I think here's my biggest gripe. 
is that can you name the running backs who got carries tonight? One, Trey Sermon. The Niners had four running backs activated, knowing they're playing one of the most prolific passers of all time in a game where he wants to beat that 2019-esque 49ers team. He has his weapons pretty much healthy, other than Bakhtiari. Like, Rodgers is out for blood. And instead, you activate four running backs, give only one of them carries, and neglect to understand the fact that Dante Johnson is your fifth cornerback when you could have activated Kirkpatrick and at least given yourself a fighting chance against, again, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like, the the secondary got soft, the coverages were bad late, they were playing off guys, and, like, again, four running backs, you carry five cornerbacks, one of them is your... You carried the second worst cornerback on your team as the emergency guy when you could have just activated three running backs. You could have had Sermon, Cannon, and whether it's Patrick or Carrion Johnson, pick one. It wouldn't have mattered. None of them played. And you have then then you could have had Kirkpatrick be active. It would have slid Dante Johnson down the pecking order again, and you're going into the game feeling a little more comfortable playing. A cornerback in Kirkpatrick who, again, not a world beater by any means. But Dante Johnson is getting beat by the world every time he's like, who is, like, what receiver is not getting the best of Dante Johnson? And I can tell you Devontae Adams is every single time. Uh, Valdez Scantling definitely is, just based off size alone. And go back to the final drive of the game. And it's just, it's a freaking hodgepodge of nothing. Like, they, like they're marching down the field. They get to freaking third down. Oh, like, oh, can we stop them here? And you're sitting there, and I don't know if you picked up on this. But on, on, on the last play of the game, that big catch by Adams to secure field goal position, Jimmy Ward is lined up directly in front of Devontae Adams. Like, right in front of him. He looks to his left, he points, and you can kind of see him yelling. The Niners have three timeouts at this point. Ward then leaves Lenore by himself on the right side of the defense, of the field. Single coverage, Pretty much prevent, but not really. Prevent defense. And Jimmy then books it to the left side of the field to either, one, try to get the alignment correct for them, or he saw someone uncovered and saw that that could be a big play, but left the number one receiver for Green Bay to be guarded by a rookie who has been burnt all night. Like, just call a freaking timeout. You got three of them. It's the last play of the game. You know it is. And and what's the worst that happens? You call a timeout, and they get it anyways? Or you call a timeout, you still got two more. You can still ice the kicker, 
if he happened to still catch the ball. Like, again, like, I don't know if you saw it, but it just, like, that's a lack of awareness from one, Ward, two, Shanahan, and three, Demeco Ryans. Like, your defense is not set. Your defense is out of alignment. Your captain, safety, sees it. And instead of saying, hey, call a timeout, call a timeout, what do you do? Nothing. And it allows the best receiver, arguably in the NFC, to secure the game-winning catch that sets up the game-winning field goal. Like, it just, like again, Jimmy Garoppolo talks about the small mistakes on offense that like we have to clean these up. But... The defense tonight, like, defense played great all the first half, pretty much. Then, like, the whole rules got reversed, right? And again, like, the Niners' defense didn't play awful, but and Rodgers gave, Rodgers gave away some drives, like we already discussed. But the fact that a very, pretty close to 10-year veteran in the NFL, Jimmy Ward... Kyle Shanahan, who's been coaching here for almost half a decade and been in the NFL for over a decade, it seems like. And Demeco Ryans, who played for a decade in his first season as a defensive coordinator, can't recognize that your defense is... It's not communicating. It's not in alignment. Like, something is wrong, and they neglected... Like, that's bad coaching. Like, people want to point fingers. Oh, it's Jimmy's fault. Oh, it's the defense's fault. Yes, like, they have their faults in this loss. And, again, kudos to the Green Bay Packers. Like, you took what we gave you, and you took a lot of it. But that's bad coaching. Like, Shanahan, Ryans, that's lack of awareness. Like, no one's paying attention. Like, it takes two seconds for Ward to turn around and just call a timeout. Like, who cares if you waste a timeout? There's like 16 seconds left. Who cares? 16 seconds left. You're likely not getting the ball back. It's on third down. They have two plays. If you can somehow call a timeout there, reset your defense, get in the right alignment get in the right coverage, get in the defense you think is the best to run in that situation, you have a chance to win this game. Despite the offense struggling early, they bounce back. Despite the defense struggling late, they still had a chance. They were up 28-27, 37 seconds left. And if you want to say the defense let them down, Fred Warner wasn't deep in coverage or deep enough in coverage like Chris Collinsworth said. But, like, we're going to point fingers at players and and quarterbacks and running backs, and, again, they all have their faults. They all have, like, you can point fingers at all of them. But we also need to point fingers at Kyle Shanahan. And especially at Demeco Ryans. Like, I gave him kudos last week for scheming a game to defend against Jalen Hurts. 
he had no freaking answer for Aaron Rodgers, for Devontae Adams. Like, if you have to have a cornerback shadow him, and again, I understand, like, Norman gets hurt, K1 gets hurt, like, like, there are things you have to shift around. Verrett's out for the year, like, those are things you can't gloss over. But as a coach of what is expected to be a contending team, whether it's for the division, for the wild card, uh, I can tell you now it's not going to be for a Super Bowl. But again, like you're expected to be in the playoff run late in the year. And you are relying on a first-year defensive coordinator who I think everyone agrees is ready or has the tools to be a good defensive coordinator. Late in the game, game on the line, last play, you need a stop. Or, like, if they tackle Devontae... 10 yards before that, or, or even 7 yards before that play. Like, let's say Devontae still gets that first down. Similar play, still gets that first down. But you tackle him 5, 7 yards back. It's a 58-yard field goal, not 51. It's maybe a 60-yard field goal. And he's in bounds. And guess what? You still got two timeouts. You can still... I, like... Everyone wants to point fingers, but the culmination of this game, like, the offense, despite, again, despite their struggles, despite getting Kittle involved more, despite Ayuk uh, kind of reestablishing himself with the role in the offense, despite no running game for the majority of the game, like, they were winning the game 30, 16 seconds left. And who let them down the most? I'm I'm gonna point and say the coaching staff. Like we have to expect better. We like we have to want better. And like these are learning situations. Like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had a quote uh, today, and he talked about like look like we have to look in the mirror, and like the guys are talking about it, like. Like, you have, like, this is a, it's a learning experience. It, it's a character-building experience. Well, unfortunately, when you're 2-0 and oh at the time, game on the line, that's that's not a time for character-builder moment. That's a time to either nut up or shut up. And I can tell you now, that Niners defense, secondary, pass rush, and Demeco Ryan's, they they shut up. They couldn't get to Rodgers late in the game. Like, despite how many people want to point fingers at Garoppolo and everything, like, uh, he was not on that field. Like, like when Garoppolo left the field tonight, they were winning. And again, he didn't play great. Need better from him, no doubt. More efficient, no doubt. When he left the field, they were winning. When the defense left the field, they were losing. Because of a lack of awareness from the the top to the bottom. Warner didn't call a timeout. Jimmy Ward didn't call a timeout. Tart didn't call a timeout. Mosley didn't call a timeout. Ryan's didn't call a timeout. Shanahan like it's just a it's just a 
It's frustrating because we could easily be 3-0 right now and we're having a totally different conversation. We're a little less frustrated. Like, this doesn't feel like a gut punch if they win. Because obviously they're 3-0. But even if they lose this game by a 60-yard field goal, like, what do you say? Like, oh, like, man, like, at least we weren't Detroit on a 66-yarder. Like, wow, this sucks, but, like, it took that guy's entire leg to beat us. No, what it took was, it is a gaffe in coaching. Like, that's what it took to beat us tonight. Like, we didn't, like, like, we didn't deserve to win based on play, but on that last play of the game, didn't deserve to win because of coaching. And, like, coaching isn't the sole reason we lost, but if we're important to... If we're pointing fingers, you you got to point on everybody. And I think that blame starts at the top. Shanahan and Demeco Ryans. Because late in that game, as a head coach, as a defense coordinator, you need to know the situation you're in. Situational awareness. Two words, you got to have it. Whether it's clock management, whether it's play calling, whether it's just knowing if your team needs a timeout as a breather or seeing your defense is about to get burned and that opposing offense is about to set up a game-winning field goal because of your neglect to call a timeout when it matters most to reset your defense. I think that's arguably the most frustrating part tonight is that miscommunication and a lack of awareness cost us at least that last play of the game. And that really freaking stinks. But it is freaking Seattle week. I'm so excited. How can you not be excited about Seattle week? It is it's it's the best week of the year. If you win. <laughs> and we'll see if that happens. But they're a great team, great offense. And as we get news on Josh Norman's injury, news on K Wan's injury, uh, we'll see updates. Hopefully on Kevin Gibbons, New Michael Hasty as the week continues. I know they're on IR, but let's see if they progress. If you want that news and you want to stay up to date, you gotta follow us on social media. Instagram at 49ers.access, Twitter 49ers underscore access. You are not going to want to miss a thing. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. My name is Sterling Bennett. Let's bounce back this week. Let's turn the tables. Let's get a dub against Seattle. Get back to 3-1. Move Seattle to 1-3 on the season. Oh, that sounds nice. Let's get this win. Get back on track. Get the offense moving again. Defense rolling again. Let's sack Russell Wilson. Like, let's put Mr. Unlimited on the ground a few times, okay? Let's do that. And again, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. And until next time... My name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful.